0: Welcome, dear listeners, to another enlightening episode of We Are Listening. I'm your host, Pulkit Garg, founder of Anya Wellness, and I'm thrilled to delve into the integrate world of emotional intelligence today. Our guest needs no grand introduction, but let me paint a picture for you. Imagine exploring the profound dynamics of emotions, thoughts, and behaviors, guided by the expertise of our speaker. Joining us is Nick Edzini, a certified emotional intelligence coach, BH in London, Nick not only navigates the complex terrain of emotions, but also pioneers education and training that revolves around the emotions-thoughts-behaviors dynamic. His mission is to enhance understanding, posture better human connections, and cultivate mutual cooperation for a higher degree of psycho-emotional well-being.
1: Welcome, Nick. Thank you, for Great introduction. Thanks for having me.
0: Pleasure is all ours. So, Nick, let's dive into the questions and one thing I would really like to understand that since our first breath or the moment we are born and you know, or probably even when we are in a mother's womb the one feeling or one thing that we know is emotions and we start probably with the most wanted and first known emotion form of emotion that is affection but as we grow and as we move forward in our life's journey our emotions are often triggered by external events. So for our listeners, Nick, can you elaborate on how emotions are born, transformed into thoughts, and eventually solidify into our beliefs?
1: Of course, and thanks for the question. I really love the introduction. I would emphasize when we are super young, like in the moment where we don't yet understand languages, the only thing we learn through our emotions. When we grow okay. older, we build structures, and structures means culture, background, education. So our emotions, of course, are influenced by all the knowledge that we have acquired. If we can I mean, give a, a scheme about how an emotion is created, or how we do create emotions, it all starts with a, an event, a life event, an activating event. And of course, we with our brain, with our cognition, we evaluate, we interpret the event in one way or another. Due to this interpretation, then we generate a feeling, an emotion. If we interpret the event in a positive way, we're going to have a positive feeling. In contrary, we're going to have a negative feeling. This negative feeling gonna then become a somatic reaction in our body. If we experience fear, for example, the body gonna start to shake. If we experience um, euphoria or very high happiness, we might begin to cry. And this is how emotions then are expressed through the body. So this dynamic then generates an impulse to act, Mm -hmm. which is not an action yet. It's not a behavior yet. It's just an impulse. I would like, I feel that I have to act that way. After this passage, it can become a behavior. So through said, we can reevaluate our interpretation because as we just said, our interpretation is influenced and even driven by our knowledge Culture, life philosophy, sometimes irrational beliefs as well. So re-evaluating yep. the event, we might change the feeling that is generated. And so all the dynamic is gonna change. We change the feeling, we change the somatic reaction in the body, the impulse to act will change, mm-hmm. and of course the behavior can change.
0: Amazing. Amazing. You know, Nick, uh, when we were discussing about the podcast, you mentioned that emotional intelligence is uh, required these days. So can you help our listeners understand what does it mean for an individual to be emotionally intelligent?
1: In brief, is uh, having the ability to identify his or her own emotions. Identify means I perfectly know how I'm feeling. The second Mm -hmm. step is to regulate the emotions and the third is using those emotions in a constructive way i'll give an example something might annoy me in a meeting or in a conversation and i recognize i'm aware that i'm feeling disappointed i don't allow that disappointment to drive the conversation i try to regulate it because i am aware I am acknowledged about my emotions, so I can decide consciously to regulate. And then I can even use that Mm -hmm. annoyance or disappointment in an assertive way in the meeting, without harming the other person, without hurting others' feelings. I can say assertively again and calmly, I am disappointed by your point. I disagree with your point without, again, allowing the emotion to drive the conversation. Mm -hmm. So being emotionally intelligent, coming back to your question, is uh, the capability to identify, regulate and use emotions in a positive way.
0: Amazing. Uh, Nick, as you mentioned that our emotions, you know, and behaviors are interrelated. How can individuals really navigate this path of having, you know, bringing a balance between emotions, reactions, and behaviors? So how this balance can be maintained among the three things?
1: Uh, I'm happy that this question came uh, yeah, at the right time. I, I just talked about a scheme. Mm-hmm. There is a life event. Then there is an interpretation. And then the feeling. From the feeling, there is an impulse to act and then a behavior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, how do we regulate our behaviors and our emotions? Is uh, reconsidering our first interpretation of the event. Reinterpreting the event, we can, I uh, reiterate, generate a new feeling. That new feeling is going to consequently generate a new impulse to act. And this is precisely the difference between reacting to a life event or responding to a life event. When we react, we just take for true the first interpretation. When we respond mm-hmm. means that we are analyzing the situation from a, an observer point of view. like we are rechecking our thoughts, our judgment, our evaluation our interpretation of the event and in that case we are taking a second more literally a second more half of a second by science to give a response not a reaction when we give responses our behaviors are more in control like Mm we went through a a mental process that help us to take the right decision not the first decision that comes to mind which is the reaction but a response and the response is something that yeah takes doesn't take long it might sound that take long but it does at all and consequently at the end of this scheme there is the outcome of our behavior and the mm-hmm. consequences of So when we react, the consequences are kind of unexpected. When Mm -hmm. we respond, we can take into consideration as well the outcomes of our behaviors.
0: That's a very, you know, structured way of putting it out uh, for our listeners. And even it gets me to thinking to be more careful and analyze my actions or reactions anytime there's a trigger coming my way. Moving on, you know, uh, if you can, you know, help us exa- understand through some examples or insights how emotions really impact our decision-making. Because that's also a form of behavior. Decision-making becomes part of our behavior based on our emotions often. So if you can, you know, help us understand through some examples or insights uh, on this.
1: So let's take, say, a meeting. The meeting is not going, or is not following my expectations. The negotiation mm-hmm. maybe has been, uh, yeah, not ideal. And the person is getting maybe arrogant or trying to dominate the situation and this is my interpretation of others behavior so due to my interpretation i get upset i get nervous so my mind is not thinking with clarity anymore because i am emotionally engaged it's not analytically only now is emotionally i might decide To leave the conversation, to leave the room, to leave the deal. And this is how emotions can uh, lead us to behaviors that we don't consider efficient and productive. Mm -hmm. If I am in control of my emotions, like I am aware that I'm getting disappointed, Mm -hmm. I can regulate them and I can even Mm -hmm. moderate the direction of the conversation. I can stay in the meeting, renegotiate calmly. Going back to your point, to your question, how emotions going to determine our behaviors? I hope this example gave a clue of how we can decide consciously if we want to leave the room emotionally engaged or embrace Mm -hmm. our emotions and stay in the meeting like facing uh, adverse scenarios, adversities, or while facing adversities, emotional regulation, I believe, I might be biased, but I believe it's crucial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because then you can get to the negotiation. It might not be what you were expecting, but you mm-hmm. can get a good outcome anyway from, uh, from the
0: meeting. Another you know, crucial aspect when it comes to understanding emotions is about communicating your emotion. And I believe uh, emotions and communication have a symbiotic relationship. They are both dependent on each other. When you know any scenario is out there, as we already discussed, that our behaviors are based on the emotions we are feeling. And it's important that we analyze before we act out there. So we go for that. But how are emotions and communications, uh, you know, can be, again, bringing in the balance for both of the two things, emotions and balance uh, communication into picture?
1: Again, it's a very good question. I will start saying, in different scenarios of our lives, we communicate more with our heart, which is emotional communication, or with our intellect. So due by general education, when we are professionally involved in a conversation, means that our salary is on the table. So we are more able to hold our tongue, okay? Mm -hmm. And talk rationally rather than emotionally. In contrary, when oftentimes we are arguing in a family, so means that there is no salary on the table, we might have the tendency of speaking with our hearts. So sometimes we end up hurting, and uh, this is something that's going to be detrimental for the personal relationship or the familiar relationship. I would say the very first thing that we must keep in mind when communicating is to not harm the other person. Take a deep breath and uh, keep in mind I don't want to hurt you, I just want to express my emotions. Mm -hmm. So when with some clients we discuss about emotional assertiveness is specifically the point of your question. How can I express and communicate my emotions fully, assertively, and without hurting and harming anyone around? True said, uh, something that really helps and uh, is my belief, my philosophy, communication, in order to improve communication, which is something that I'm oftentimes asking, I would say, let's improve listening because communicating without having listened before doesn't make a lot of sense Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and this is kind of an eye-opening perspective because you are Mm -hmm. thinking how to improve communication but instead you improve listening so when we listen attentively when we listen to the emotions of the person in front of us we might develop compassion as well so we get calmer. We are with the other person. We can align with the other person emotionally. And so we can understand each other. I can talk about communication and listening dynamics for, for a very long time. You tell me if you have another question, if you want to. Yeah. You want to I just those.
0: have a follow up question on this, Nick, uh, with you. And it's from my own personal experiences. Uh, you just mentioned about, uh, you know, Building onto your listening skills, then communicating first, and once you learn to listen more, you build compassion. But oftentimes in our relationships, be it at a professional place or at a personal, uh, you know, environment, I've experienced where you might be talking from a place of compassion, but the person you're talking to often feels like you're talking to a wall you are continuously saying something which is either harming you or it's you know not going as per you're looking for some advice or you're looking for the person to change their behavior because it's impacting you emotionally or at a place of your own peace and it's giving triggers to your anxiety or stress but the other person is not ready to listen or understand where you are coming from how do you really navigate these situations because what i have I'm not sure of, uh, you know, how it happens uh, with uh, families in Europe, but in Indian families, I have seen this thing leading into a complete quarrel, people not having food at the night and, you know, just uh, going out, uh, all uh, outburst. So how should one person be really navigating this through?
1: I start from your phrase, uh, uh, when we are talking with compassion. If it's not working, means that maybe we didn't listen to Because if we are facing a wall in front of us, we try to understand that wall in order to pass through, in order for our message to pass through. And the most important thing is not what we are saying or even how we are saying it. But the question is, is the right way, the right methodology for the person in front of me to understand it? Because, of course, it's easier for us. For us, it's clear. Of course, we are talking and bringing a concept in, in the dynamic, would be professional or in the family. And, of course, yeah. we understood the concept. We elaborated it in our mind. So, f- from our perspective, it's pretty much clear. But we don't generally spend a second to realize if for the other person it's clear. Mm-hmm. and this is where clash, clash, clash in a conversation I'm bringing my point you are bringing your point I'm bringing my point you are bringing your point this is communicating but this is not listening because if we listen to each other then we're going to communicate in a way to be understood and this is more likely to, to be effective in a conversation so again the main point in communicating is listening to other. This is my
0: belief. Okay. Let me practice that and get back to you. Just one last question, Nick, on this. Considering the prevalence of stress and anxiety in today's fast-paced world, uh, what strategies or practices would you recommend for individuals to manage and harness the power of their emotions for a more fulfilling life? Like, people really don't have time today for themselves. So how can they, you know, really find that connection with their own emotions?
1: So, connecting with your emotions is, uh, of course, without saying the emotions are inside you in the Mm -hmm. most profound area of you. I'm an ambassador, I'm a passionate, and uh, sometimes a teacher as well of mindfulness and meditation. I do love the concept, the lifestyle of less is more. I do understand. We live in a society that pushes us to do more and more and more and more. And of course, a lot of quantity, the the level of quality might drop. We might feel kind of overwhelmed by too many, coming back to the skin, external stimuli. Mm -hmm. So staying with us in silence, meditating, is going to help us to regain focus. To understand what is not a necessity for our life. So scientifically speaking now the effects of uh, staying calm, meditate and do things singularly have a great benefit for the nervous system. Now we are talking about biology, so how emotions are connected with the body is the heart, mind, body, science. So in order to be less stressed, be less anxious, is uh, connecting with ourselves, calm our body, so our mind can get calmer. And then more profoundly, our hearts can get calmer too. We implement activities and practices in order to do so. It's not something Mm -hmm. that just just happens. Okay, We consciously need to commit. And then, of course, it's a broad topic to discuss. How do we calm ourselves? What daily routine do we have? What we do before going to sleep? What is the very first thought in the morning? Are all points that literally influence the day. If I start my day, for example, with a positive thought, I'm going to feel more energy during the day. Mm -hmm. If I wake Mm -hmm. up and the very first thing I put in my brain and in my heart as well, of course, is something that worries me. It's like starting with the wrong foot in a certain sense. So the power of our thoughts, the power of our emotions, I think is crucial for the well-being, not just of a day, but like more broadly of our lifestyle.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, like what I've started doing and I totally uh, echo with what you just mentioned. Uh I used to have my mobile continuously on and uh, you know any message coming in before right before the sleep or right after waking up. I used to be very actively checking my mobile and that used to you know, really disrupt my uh, sleep cycle either if I'm checking something and that's not really in you know in alignment to what I was thinking the reward should be or a new message coming out of the blue altogether. While over the years I have become more accustomed to things and I have understood how to absorb it and let it go or take cater to it in the next day, the following day. But at times you just get some uh, you know messages in a manner which really trigger you out. So what I started doing is around eight fifteen in the evening, my phone goes on the DND mode, and it doesn't comes out of the DND mode till six thirty in the morning. So I've given that space to myself to be with me, and you know i totally agree with you but you know given the positive of time we have for this episode and i have too many more questions to ask but i would like our listeners to ask you those questions and uh, you know engage with us more so listeners if you have any further questions on the topic please feel free to reach out to us or if you would like to understand more uh, from nick please do dm us nick any parting thoughts for our listeners
1: you mentioned taking time for yourself yeah i think is the root of well-being yeah Everything starts with us. So being uh, aligned and uh, in tune with ourselves, I think, is crucial. Yeah. Great. Thanks a lot, Nick, for coming on the episode. Thank you. Thanks for that. Yeah. Thanks for having me.